Hello, everyone. Patrick McFarlane here of the Liberty Weekly podcast. And again, this is the B-Side podcast, Liberty, Weekly, W-E-A-K-L-Y. And this, again, is the informal podcast where I pontificate on things that maybe aren't suited or formal enough for the original Liberty Weekly podcast, which can be found at libertyweekly.net. Um, so yes, I'm back. I'm glad there are still some people that listen to this podcast because, um, it allows me, like I said, to talk about things that maybe don't necessarily belong on the other show. And so the last episode title wasn't quite as flashy as my other ones because I had kind of gotten to the point where we're around 40 downloads per episode, uh, with the, with the last few ones. And then, you know, you go on a hiatus and people forget about it or, they clear out their podcast list or what have you. Um, but so, yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about foreign policy a little bit. And I feel like I can't really talk about foreign policy on the Liberty Weekly podcast proper because I'm not an expert. Um, although some people who I would consider experts don't consider themselves experts, but I'm definitely not an expert. And it's a topic that I feel like I know enough to be dangerous. And it's interesting because if you come to know even just, I don't know, um, you read one or two books and you become more knowledgeable about the topic than probably 95 to 98% of the general public in the United States. So you read one or two books and you can speak on it with a little bit more authority than probably almost everyone that you know. And it's so interesting because, you know, back back at the height of the British or the Roman Empire, I wonder if citizens of the empire really kind of knew what was going on in the, the backwaters of the empire or knew what was going on on the frontier or had more knowledge about the endless wars and campaigns and things. Um, of that nature that were going on. And one thing I like to say um, to people, um, especially my parents, is that it's nice to live, it's good to be a Roman in the Roman Empire. It's nice to live in Rome at the height of the Roman, um, what, Republic? Or I guess in in Caesar's times, Julius Caesar's times, after the fall of the Republic, it was still pretty nice. But uh, the other night over Thanksgiving break, I was watching a bunch of war documentaries on uh, Amazon Prime, which, surprising enough, there's quite a few good anti-war documentaries on Amazon Prime. And, or, on Amazon Prime Video, that is. So, one of them, and... I was watching this and I was thinking about how for my generation is probably the first generation where to say, oh, you know, Private Johnson, Private First Class Johnson is going on his third deployment to the Middle East. And, you know, this is his third deployment because the war has gone on long enough for him to have deployed for 15 months and then come back home for six months or a couple years, and then to redeploy again for, um, you know, another 15 months. How fucking insane is that? And this is normalized for us. I mean, I remember growing up, 
and I remember growing up and this was pretty normal to hear about. I mean, September 11th happened when I was in third grade and I remember in the next few years, you know, in we had Iraq War II start in 2003 and all throughout that time, I just remember um, soldiers coming to class to talk about it or hearing about you know, from other people, oh, my son, he's going on a second or third de deployment to Iraq or Afghanistan. At no other time in American history, I mean, keep in mind that these wars have been going on. Um, Af the invasion of Afghanistan is now, what, 18 or 19, 18 years now from, let's see, it happened in October, if I'm remembering correctly, of 2001. So it would be 18 years in October of 2019. That's insane. That is completely insane. And what, the United States was in World War II for four years about? Five years, maybe? Um, math is not my strong suit. But again, our involvement in World War I, two of the biggest conflicts in American history, uh, only lasted a small fraction of the time that these wars have taken place. Uh, and so one of these documentaries... Oh, I'm just blanking on the name, but it it chronicled Fort Hood in Texas. I believe it was Fort Hood and how the community grapples with this incredibly large veteran population. And these being 26 years old myself, I consider an 18 year old kid to be like a very young kid. And it's weird now that, you know, kids born in in 2001 are 18 years old now and it's just insane to me the idea that we would take a kid right an 18 year old very young teenager right out of high school and send them off to war it being 26 myself and seeing how young and immature these 18 year old kids are uh it's evil it's pure evil to do this and to trick them i mean you it's just insane um, to have them go and be sold on this idea of what war is going to be like. And the thing that struck me in this documentary about Fort Hood is how they talked about, they interviewed people in the town uh, from this tattoo shop that had all these soldiers come in, and they were talking about how so striking it is that these uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed young 18-year-olds come into the tattoo shop and they want all these heroic patriotic tattoos about hold, upholding the values of liberty and justice and all the good, the quote-unquote good things that they teach you about in school in terms of, um, well, like, like I said, liberty and justice and freedom and all the good things that we are led to believe about the United States and maybe they're they're propagandized into they really think that they're going out there to be like the patriots of the American Revolution and to fight against tyranny and to protect the nation so that all of us can live in this land of liberty and freedom and justice. And obviously it's not that way. But I think it is so striking that these young men go in with the purest, it seems like, I'm sure I'm, I'm talking in generalities here, but it seems like what they were getting at is that most of them come in with these starry-eyed ideals. 
and you know, I'm not naive enough to think that that's always the case, um, or to think that you know there aren't bad people that join the military or people who join the military for nefarious reasons, um, or that they join the military because they just have nowhere else to go. They're from broken homes or what have you. Um, you know, I'm sure that that happens a lot too. But it seems like a significant portion of them are joining for these starry-eyed, what I would argue are good ideals, um, at least the way that they're propagandized to us as children in public schools, thinking about how we just want liberty for everyone. And, and maybe that's my version of what I took it as when I went to public school myself, was liberty and freedom and justice for all in, of course, my libertarian bent, you know. Um, but in this documentary, they were also talking about how these kids come in and they get tattooed and then they go out on their first deployment and then they come back to Fort Hood. And some of the same kids that they saw not too long ago are completely different after their first deployment and everything has changed and they don't want to talk about it. Sometimes they do want to talk about what they saw and did over there, but most of all, they're just kind of, I don't know. Um, and I'm quoting the words of the documentary here, but just used up and forlorn and troubled and all of that idealism is gone and no longer naive. And the idea that these kids are 19 or 20 years old or maybe a little older and they've seen things that no one else, you know, seen things that will scar them for life and that no one will see in their lives. Like no normal person would see the, the amount of, of carnage, um, or, or do the things that they had to do or that they did do. And there were testimonials from, you know, lots of different soldiers in this documentary about what they had to see and do over there. And there was a lot of shooting of women and children and civilians um, for, for no apparent reason. And they, they know that it's wrong and they have no one to talk to because they go to the chaplain and the chaplain in their unit just tells them basically that, well, this is a war and women and children die in war. It's just what war is and what happens. And you're not a good soldier. If you think of the enemy as a human being and basically it's okay to kill uh, like that. And, and this is from the documentary. Um, so I thought that was very interesting, but mostly how we as citizens of, of the American empire, it's so interesting that, it's gotten to a point that they've crafted the military and I'm sure they learned their lesson from Vietnam, but they've crafted the military into this volunteer citizen soldier army in quotes and how we've been able just to swipe it under the rug for such a long time. And if, you know, as Dave Smith and um, uh, Scott Horton and some others are talking about, it seems like, at least Scott Horton on Dave Smith's recent episode was talking about how the right wing is fed up with this endless war and they have started this new group um, called Bring the Troops Home. Or I, I can't remember the name exactly, but it was very compelling about how 
you know, is this going to reach a breaking point? Are we going to get to a point where people will, will just no longer accept this endless war and the point where you've had so many soldiers that are go through the system and are used up and don't get the support that they need and are in complete crisis and you just got to wonder kind of what the breaking point is here. And, but yeah, just to get back to how normalized it is talking about, Oh, this is his second, this is his third deployment. This would be unheard of in any other conflict. And it seems like, you know, maybe I'd like to see how many soldiers were enlisted at the beginning of world war two and by the end of World War II, had fought in every single year of the conflict. I, I know that some exist, but I don't know. Was it that they would sign up for four years or they would enlist for two or three years? And, and maybe I'm just out of my element here, but I'm not sure what the average enlistment is for. I know they send National Guard units out to the Middle East, and I don't know how long the enlistment is for that. But it seems like if these soldiers are going out for two, three, four, five deployments, it just seems really kind of excessive um, and, and really sad to me, especially if the first one is so horrible that they come back and all they do is drink, which seems like, you know, drink and do drugs or, or try and find themselves or forget what they did, try to forget what they did. Um, and... They don't have any resources. Maybe it's the inner, um, it's the inner culture of the military to kind of have them take these feelings and swipe them under the rug and to say "man up" and don't be a pussy. And then after you're done in the military, they just kind of spit you out, and you're just uh, you're used up to them. And there was this other documentary that I was watching about their alive day i can't remember exactly what it was called either maybe i should have prepared but this is the b-side show so um it was about yeah I, i'm sick too that's one thing they i guess they tell you about it when you have a child is that you're gonna get sick all the time now because they're just little germ magnets but this documentary was about 10 different u.s soldiers who were horribly injured, um, catastrophically injured during their deployments by IEDs or by um, mostly IEDs or by fire or anything like that associated with it. Um, but yeah, these, imagine, I don't know, being a 19-year-old kid and losing an arm or a leg or both of your legs in one case, both of his legs and one arm. He had lost in an ID explosion, and uh, this one Marine had been shot through the head and survived somehow, and he he was kind of like a vegetable, but he was still, like, big parts of his frontal lobe were just gone, um, but he survived. I don't know how. Like, if that happened to me, just let me go. Um, but the thing about it is that modern, like, modern battlefield medicine has gotten to the point where 90% of wounded soldiers survive their injuries, whether, you know, and if you, if you aren't hit and killed on contact, there's a 90% chance that if you're 
receive medical care on time that you will survive is this is what was quoted um in in the uh in the documentary and that got me thinking too that well i think there's only been 8000 us casualties from the terror wars that we know of and i don't know how many casualties in terms of injuries uh, the number that's coming to mind is around 60,000 so if battlefield medicine was at the point that it was maybe 40 or 50 years ago perhaps that number 8,000 might be 20,000 maybe um so it is kind of striking how few casualties we've the well the US sol soldiers have taken in the terror wars um but I got to think that the nature of this war maybe is more prone to PTSD. And it seems like it's harder to gauge between wars. Like, as a libertarian, I want to come out and say that, oh, well, this moral injury that soldiers are experiencing from war in the terror wars is because it's so blatantly an unjust and unproductive war that um, the moral injury is higher because soldiers know that what they're doing is wrong, um, whereas it was different from Vietnam because um, this is what I want to say, but I, I don't know if it's necessarily true or if I can say that. But the, right, the, the wars in the Middle East are so blatantly ridiculous in a way that maybe Vietnam wasn't that these soldiers... Um, they just know that what they're doing over there is unproductive and futile and wrong. Um, I, I don't know. And maybe just that it's gone on so long or maybe the incidents of civilian casualty or, or what exactly the culture is and what their orders are and what they have to do, quote-unquote, have to do over there um, is just so much different than Vietnam. I don't really know. Um, but that's what I'd like to think, you know, that the wars in the Middle East are so blatantly wrong that, um, you know, it affects soldiers more so. But it really is stunning just how people, they have or they've been conditioned with these platitudes about the terror wars that um, they don't know anything about it. And, and I'm speaking because I consider myself to be a very... I don't know, informed and educated person like any other libertarian. But before I really picked up a book and read about it, I couldn't tell you, you know, anything about the history of Iraq, the wars in Iraq or the Iraq-Iran war or any of our history of meddling in the Middle East or exactly who the Taliban were um, or basically why we were in Afghanistan which, I mean, none of it really makes complete sense, even if you know the actual facts. But there there you go. I mean, so... But, yeah, just the apathy of the public is just so striking. I thought maybe I'd do an episode on it and how normalized it is for us just to... If, if I could leave the audience to reflect with anything, how normalized it is that, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's his third or fourth deployment and this a, a war never would have gone on long enough for him to have all of these deployments um in the past and so it's just kind of i don't know the sad reality of the state of affairs 
and something's got to give, man. Like, if I could go forward in time and, and look back at how many years this whole fiasco has taken, um, it's just insanity. So I guess I'll leave everyone with that. I hope you kind of enjoyed my thoughts. Um, and thanks for staying subscribed to this podcast. Uh, really makes it a lot more fun when you know that there's people listening. So, and, and what I would call you are the Liberty Weekly Elite because out of the people that listen to the main show, you guys are really the people who, uh, you know, care about the show enough, I suppose, to want to listen to my opinions on other topics or, or, you know, just can't get enough. So there's more out there for you, but, um, yeah. So thanks again for listening. Uh, I guess we'll catch you. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Uh-huh.